Welcome to the ARPA Animal Rescue of the Week podcast, featuring outstanding organizations around the country that are helping animals and the people who rescue them. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Dubert.com. Dubert is a free website designed to connect volunteers with rescues and shelters, and the only site that automates rescue relay transport. Let's meet this week's featured animal rescue. Wayward Whiskers was founded in 2013, and they take in stray special needs cats and kittens that may have otherwise been abandoned or euthanized. Sherry and her team provide top-notch veterinary care, including any surgeries or treatments that the cats may need, and they help them find their forever home. They are one of the few rescues in San Antonio that accepts FIV-positive cats. Hey, Sherry, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Good, good, I'm doing good. I'm really excited to talk with you today, and, and thank you for joining us. So you are from Wayward Whiskers, which is located in San Antonio, Texas. Is that right? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Correct. So why don't you kick us off and, and start by telling us a little bit about uh, Wayward Whiskers and how you got started and, and what your mission is. Okay, sure. So um, we, we were founded in January 2013. Um, I had started fostering for a local shelter here and, um, and just really kind of that was when my eyes were open to the situation in San Antonio as far as the strays and the overpopulated. Um, there's way too many dogs and cats here. And so I had, um, I had been fostering for a while, and then I decided that I wanted to just step it up a little bit and um, actually start my own rescue so that I could help even more cats. Um, I've always been a cat person, so it was a natural progression to start a cats-only rescue. Um, And so we, in 2014, we decided to focus solely on um, special needs animals. So animals with um, visual impairments, maybe they're deaf, maybe they have a broken leg or they lost a leg or lost an eye, cerebellar hypoplasia, cats with FIV, things like that. So that's when we really turned our focus to the special needs cats. Okay, and always being a cat person, why the special needs? Well, I think a lot of people don't really understand what special needs mean. Um, they think, oh my gosh, I'm going to have a, a lifetime's worth of vet bills and medications and um, just issues with the cat. And that's not always the case. In fact, it's usually not the case, um, especially with a cat that maybe lost a leg. Um, we call them tripods. Um, and they, you know, they, they are totally fine. Like they, they get around fine on three legs. I have a tripod cat myself and he is faster than the other cats. He can jump better than the other cats. Um, so, and he doesn't have any kind of ongoing health issues or, you know, he's not taking medication every day. He's not costing me, you know, thousands of dollars or anything like that. So I think, um, our main mission is to, promote the adoption of special needs cats and kind of educate people as far as what that actually means and what what it entails in order to adopt a cat like that. And so I'm excited to kind of get into this conversation to kind of talk a little bit um, about that. So since you opened your doors um, in 2013, how many cats, and I know you do a little bit with dogs, how many have you saved? Um, so total, our total intake since 2013 is a little over 700 cats um, and about 30 dogs. So we do take dogs from time to time, not very often, but if 
if the need arises and we happen to have, you know, a little bit of space, we'll, we'll try to take a dog that needs us. Now, you guys are actually a rescue, but you do have a shelter, um, which is one of the things that I think makes you unique. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your location? Um, so we are a home-based rescue, um, and I have basically converted parts of my house into the rescue. Um, we turned the garage into the FIV sanctuary. Um, so our FIV positive cats all live in the garage, and we have um, air conditioning, heating. Um, we have shelves and true cat trees out there um, for them to climb on. And then we attached a pretty big outdoor enclosure um, to the garage. So there's a little tunnel, and they go through the tunnel, and then they can go outside. And um, it's enclosed, and it has a roof, so they're not getting sunburned or anything. Um, and they can kind of just lay around in the in the grass, or they can climb around. We've got some shelves and ramps and stuff for them. Um, and then about a year and a half ago, we built a shelter, uh, an actual building, and that is also in my backyard. Um, it's two rooms. So we have the quarantine room that has about eight uh, quarantine kennels. So when we get a cat in that is injured or sick, um, they are quarantined in there until they're healed, until they're done with their antibiotics or whatever the case may be. And then they, they move on to our uh, PetSmart Adoption Center. And then the second room in the shelter is just kind of an open adoption area. So we have cats that are not in cages. They're, they're running around. Um, we built this series of, we actually had somebody donate this amazing series of shelves and rants and things that the cats can climb on and, and they love it. It's like a little maze for them. And then it also attaches to an outdoor enclosure so that those cats can go outside and enjoy the sunshine, the fresh air. And so, and then like I said, we have the PetSmart Adoption Center that we put our healthy adoptable cats at. So many things about that that I like. Um, it's very unique and different. Um, and even though you're a home-based rescue, I love that you've been able to expand, which allows you to save more more animals. Tell us a little bit about the relationship that you have with PetSmart and their adoption center. I don't know that people really understand how that relationship works. And so how did that come about for you? So we, um, about, I guess about a year ago, we got an email from one of the PetSmart locations asking us if we'd be interested in putting our cats at their adoption center. Um, and they are, they're pretty close to us. Um, we had gotten some requests before that we're just too far away that we couldn't, I was, wasn't going to be able to take cats out there, um, you know, several times a week. But this particular location is about 10 minutes away. Basically, once our cats are spayed and neutered, um, they have to be vaccinated and they're triple tested. So tested for FIV, leukemia, and heartworms and microchips. And then we put them at PetSmart. And, um, you know, any PetSmart shopper that goes, they can see our cats, they can interact with them, see how they are, with their, you know, they can bring their dog in and see how it reacts to the dog. And so we've actually had great success with that PetSmart location. We've adopted, last year we adopted 100 cats um, out of that location in about eight months. Wow, that's pretty incredible. It, it's been great because being a home-based rescue, it's hard for us to adopt out of, out of here, mostly because it has to be by appointment. Um, we, we can't have open visiting hours. You know, it's my house, so I'm not going to be like, yeah, come on in whenever. You know, I want people to make appointments and, 
and come by, but it's it's a lot harder for the cast to get seen because there there's no way for them to be seen other than you know we put them on Pet Finder, we put them on Adopt a Pet. You have to actually be, be specifically looking. You know, you're not just going to happen upon a cat on Pet Finder. You know, you have to be looking for it. So so the PetSmart um, Adoption Center has been amazing for us. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. 100 cats in eight months is pretty incredible. And the fact that they reached out to you, I know sometimes that's not that's not normally the case, right? Normally it's rescues reaching out and seeing how they can find a partner. So I, I'm not quite sure how that came about, but it sounds like it's been wonderful for you guys. Yeah, I think, I don't know exactly how they got our, our information. Um, I know that they were looking for a rescue um, that could replace the one that was already there. So I don't, I don't know exactly how they got our information. We are registered as a PetSmart. I guess it's a PetSmart charity affiliate or something like that. Um, we, we signed up with them a few years ago when we got our 501c3. And so they may have just had us in a database as, as somebody that's already approved with the PetSmart charities. That may be how they found us. But either way, I'm just glad that they, <laughs> I'm glad that they found us. So talk to me a little bit about, since you guys are a home rescue, um, how does your vetting work? Do you partner with vets in your area? Tell us a little bit about how that works for you. Yeah, so we have um, we have two vets that we work with very closely. Um, there's My Pets Vet at Kiedner and I-10, and then there's Cibolo Small Animal Hospital that's out in Cibolo, Texas. So it's, it's about a 45-minute drive from me, but um, they're absolutely incredible. And both of them give us a discount for um, being a rescue. They work with us um, as far as dropping off, picking up. Um, I can drop off usually in the morning around 7, pick up on my way home from work. And so that helps a lot for me to balance, you know, getting cats vetted immediately and getting, you know, keeping my life (laughs) straight. They've been incredible, like, I don't know. We wouldn't be able to do what we're doing without them. Yeah, I think it, you know, it is all about relationships, right? And partnerships. And I love that you're working with local vets. Um, So you, like many uh, in animal rescue, have a full-time job and you do this on the side. Right. Yeah, it's a lot. It is a lot. And it's it's basically two full-time jobs. The important thing that, that I have learned over the years is that you have to have boundaries and you have to know your limitations. So we get a lot of intake requests that we can't take them all. And so we, we have to turn them down. I have to say no. And I, I, you know, I don't like doing that. I want to take every single cat that we get asked to, but that's when you turn into something else. You're, you can't keep up. And then, you know, the health of the cats, the emotional health, the physical health, it starts to suffer because of the overcrowding. So we try to keep it, um, try to keep it at a, minimum number and um, of what we can handle, what I can physically handle. So Yeah, so tell us tell us what that number is. How many cats do you have at your location on any given day? So well, we usually have about 50. We try to keep it about 50. Um, we have 25 FIV positive cats in our sanctuary. Um, and then we have, right now we've got all of our quarantine kennels are full. So we have eight cats out there in the quarantine. And then we have about 15 in the adoption area of the shelter. It's busy. We're trying to get down to about 10 in the adoption center and about 15 in the FIV sanctuary. It's, it's kind of an ideal number for us. You're definitely on the higher side of where you want to be right now, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, we are way over <laughs> overcrowded. Um, but, you know, we're, we're working. We've got quite a few going to the vet this week that will then go to PetSmart. So we're trying to kind of get them out the door as fast as we can so that we can 
take in, you know, somebody else that that needs our help. Yeah, absolutely. So I definitely want to talk more about the FIV and and how you got involved in that and and maybe some of the stereotypes um, behind that. But first, I want to kind of talk a little bit more about your community. Any particular challenges uh, in in and around San Antonio that you see uh, and why that might be? Well, we have, um, like I said, we have a lot of huge overpopulation problems. We have stray dogs and cats roaming the city all over the place. People are either uneducated or they just don't want to spay or neuter their, their animal. And so that ends up, you know, producing litter after litter of unwanted kittens and puppies and then they get dumped at a shelter or dumped on the street and then they start breeding and it's just kind of an explosion of kittens and puppies running around everywhere. Um, a cat can have up to four litters of kittens a year. So if they have five kittens in a litter, that's 20 kittens a litter. I mean, 20 kittens a year. And then you get each of those 20 kittens having 20 kittens. It adds up really fast. And so, you know, we, we really try to push the spay neuter. Um, we really want people to just get their animal fixed. We, you know, if you can't afford it, there's, there's plenty of free and low cost clinics in San Antonio. You just have to kind of look for them. Um, and make the effort, and but you have to get your pets or dogs spayed or neutered. You don't need to have litters. Um, I hear all the time, well, I just want her to have one litter, and then we'll get her spayed. And it's like, no, don't don't even let her do that. Like, go down to the pound and pick up a litter of kittens, and then there's your litter. You don't have to bring more kittens into the world. We already have enough. Yeah, so I know in a lot of areas of the United States, there's like a kitten season, right? I mean, you guys are pretty far south, and so I have to assume it's kitten season all year round. All year long, yeah. <laughs> My thoughts on it is that because we don't have um, the harsh winter, you know, we don't, it, I mean, it never snows here. Um, it almost never even gets to freezing. Up north, they have the harsh winters that kind of kill off the stray population over the winter. Down here, we don't have that. So we have strays breeding all year long. Um, kitten season is pretty much January to December. So it really never seems to end. Yeah, I can definitely see that that's the problem. It's not just overpopulation, right? In the in a kitten season aspect, it's like you said, it's 12 months a year. You know, that's a lot. That's a huge problem. Yep. And it, it, it just exponentially explodes. And, and yeah, since we don't, we just don't have the, the temperature um, to kind of, I mean, it sounds harsh, but it's the north, the, the winters up north just kind of regulate the population. But down here, we just don't have that. That is definitely a problem. So part of that is is educational, right? And that people need to understand that. Are you guys doing anything in the local community to kind of help with that? Or when people come to you, is there an educational component to what you guys do? We try. I wish we could be more proactive with the educational part of it. And maybe someday, you know, we will be able to do more with like elementary schools, um, you know, going to speak to their classes and um, things like that. But we really try to just educate one person at a time. So, you know, we get emails from somebody, I, I, we've got cats everywhere and um, I don't know what to do. And so I kind of teach them about like trap, neuter, return, um, provide resources for them. If they want to get them fixed themselves, we kind of help out with that sometimes. But yeah, I wish we could be more proactive about education. Um, it's just not something that we are able to to really do at this point. And it's a hard 
thing, right? You know, if it's just you and, and a handful of volunteers, you have to have the time, right, to, to reach out and build those partnerships and, and all of that. So speaking of TNR, do you guys work with other organizations that specialize in TNR? So we have, um, we have the San Antonio Feral Cat Coalition, uh, Feral Cat Coalition that does, they do, they teach uh, TNR classes. So they teach people how to how to trap the cat, um, where to take it to get fixed, and then kind of how to readjust it back to being outside. And then they will typically help, you know, with trapping in a colony or if there's 20 cats around, typically cannot handle that volume. So they, they do quite a bit in the San Antonio community as far as getting cats um, trapped, getting people educated about how to do it um, so that they can do it themselves because you know, if you're going to be complaining about all the feral cats in your neighborhood, but you're not willing to take the next step and actually try to do something about it as far as getting them fixed, you know, then you really can't complain because there is a solution. You just don't want to do it. It's a good point, And it's a good reminder for people out there, right? If if you have a problem, you, you need to do something to get involved. Right. There's not, there's so many people that they just, they want to complain about it and they don't like the cats climbing on their car or peeing in their yard or you know, whatever, whatever it is, but then you tell them, well, hey, this, here, I'll help you. I'll, I'll lend you a trap and you can, I'll teach you how to use it. And they're like, oh yeah, no, I don't want to do that. They just want to kind of push the problem off on a rescue or a shelter. And we just don't have the capacity to, to do it. You know, you, you've got to step up and do something yourself occasionally. Yeah, it yeah, definitely is a community problem, isn't it? Absolutely. So one of the things I know you're really passionate about, you know, with the special needs is the FIV. Um, I myself am not super familiar with that. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what that is and, and maybe some of the stereotypes that are out there and, and why you wanted to focus on that? So the first time that I ever heard about FIV, it was back in December of 2012. <clears throat> I had never heard of it before. I had no idea what it was. Um, and we had trapped this cat out. He was living behind a poles. Um, Door. And we, we, we were able to catch him. He was a beautiful Maine Coon, super, super sweet. Um, we took him in and he tested positive for FIV. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh no, this is horrible. Like, what am I going to do? I don't know what to do. And I started panicking and, you know, because I'm thinking this is going to be something really bad. It's going to make him really sick and it's contagious and all this stuff. And so I started researching, talking to vets about it and kind of looking online myself. and. I was like, oh, this this is not a big deal. Like, he can totally have a normal life. Our vet at the time had recommended to euthanize him. And we said, no, you know, we don't want to euthanize him. He, he looks perfectly healthy. He's not sick. You know, we'll just, we'll figure it out. So that's when I kind of started learning about how FIV is not, it's not contagious other than a cat with FIV bites a cat that does not have FIV. The saliva enters the bloodstream. That's how it's passed. So it's it can't be passed just from a cat living with another cat that has it, um, sharing food dishes, you know, grooming each other. It's not passed that way. And there's plenty of research out there to say that you know that that's not how it's um, how it's passed around. So as long as the cat's getting along, they're not fighting, they're they're neutered, you know, they're going to be fine. They're not going to pass it. So the cat's name was Wicket that we had, um, had rescued that tested positive. And he got adopted into this amazing family. He had a really long life. I think he lived, he was about seven or eight when we rescued him. And he lived to be about 15. Um, so he had, you know, he had a great, 
life. He was super loved. Um, he was kind of a, almost a therapy cat for, um, it was a veteran that adopted him and he had PTSD. And so Wicket was kind of, you know, his, um, his therapy cat. So he's just, he's one of my favorite success stories about the FIV cats. I mean, we have so many more that I could talk about all day, but, um, you know, I just, I want people to understand that FIV is not something that's going to cost you a ton of money. It potentially, I mean, they could, they could get, they could pick up something down the line. You know, a lot of, a lot of FIV cats have dental issues. Um, they need to be, they need to have their teeth cleaned, um, pretty regularly. Um, they need to be kept away from infections. So like if, if their other cat's sick, they need to kind of separate them until the other cat feels better so that they don't get an infection that ends up being worse. And then, you know, just, just kind of keep an eye on them. If they start sneezing or they stop eating, take them into the vet, get them checked out. There's really no reason to, you know, panic and think that, oh, I need to euthanize this cat because it has FIV. So I love that you're a voice for them. And I love that, that that's something you're really passionate about. So you were really inspired by that. Right. I mean, we have, so we, like I said, we have about 25 FIV positive cats right now. And we have a couple that are feral um, that, you know, we can't really get close to. But for the most part, the cats we have are some of the sweetest, most loving cats I've ever come in contact with. And I don't know if it's just because, you know, the ones that we end up getting typically are the ones that are completely beat up. They're not fighters. They're not, you know, they're not the ones starting the fight with other cats. And that's how they get infected is because, you know, they're, they're getting beat up by this bully cat. They're just the sweetest animals and you know it breaks my heart that so many cats are still being put down just because they test positive for FIV you know there's some vets in the area that still recommend euthanasia for FIV cats and it just it kills me I I don't want them to be put down needlessly and I want people to know that it's not something to be afraid of and it's not um it's not something that you should you know just to turn you off to adoption I think it's a good reminder yeah. So thank you for that, for that information. And, you know, we'll, we'll definitely link to your website uh, when we post the podcast. And I know you have more information out there that that's beneficial for people to, to read. And, and of course, if they have questions, I'm assuming they can reach out to you and learn a little bit more as well. Yeah, absolutely. If, um, if they click on our link that says FIV Sanctuary, there's a little, um, there's a link about, you know, about FIV that they can click on and read more. Um, and then, of course, we have some of our FIV cats that need sponsors. Um, we have a sponsorship program for them. So $25 a month kind of helps pay for their food and flea medication and, you know, whatever else they might need. So um, definitely they can go visit there. And, and then they can see pictures of them out in the enclosure and, you know, just enjoying life. For the most part, they get along. Every now and then we'll get a, a wild card in there that's, you know, wanting to start fights and stuff. But for the most part, we... I mean, everybody gets along. We've got a couple that are super bonded with each other, um, and it's really sweet. So, yeah, for the most part, they they just kind of lounge around. And So let's talk a little bit about the challenges um, in your organization. So I know one of them is uh, volunteers. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the volunteer program that you have and, and what that looks like and where maybe you can use some more help? Um, so we don't have like a an official volunteer program, mainly because we are home-based, and so it's to get volunteers out here. And a lot, oftentimes what will happen is somebody will come out to volunteer, 
I teach them, you know, how to disinfect kennels, how to sweep the litter boxes, you know, kind of the, the lay of the land and how we operate. Um, and then they never come back. We spent, you know, three, four hours training them for one time. And then they never show up again. So that's kind of frustrating because we don't want to spend all that time if, if you're not going to come back. So finding dedicated volunteers that are going to show up, you know, more than once is, is difficult. And I know everybody's busy. You know, it's really hard. Nobody wants to come scoop litter. I get it. I don't want to scoop litter most of the time. <laughs> um, it's not glamorous. It's not fun. But, you know, it's something that has to be done. We also have uh, a need for fosters. Um, what we do with with fosters is we typically will place mom, uh, pregnant moms or nursing moms with our fosters. And what they do is they keep the mom and kittens until the kittens are eight weeks old. And then we take them back, we get them fixed, and then they go to PetSmart um, to be adopted. So it's an eight-week commitment. We cover all the food, all the vet costs, you know, anything that they might need. We, we cover it all. So it doesn't cost you anything. Um, if you have an extra room or a bathroom or, you know, someplace that you could, you know, stash a mom and babies for eight weeks, um, you know, we could definitely use your help for that. So how many foster homes do you currently have? Right now we've got about four. Um, and we actually don't have cats with any of our fosters right now. Um, we are taking in a couple of pregnant cats next week. So so we'll have, you know, they'll be taking on the pregnant cats. Um, but we've got about, about four typically that are, you know, dedicated and come back year after year and help us, you know, with kittens. Yeah, that's great. So four foster homes, but you guys have so many cats. So are you looking, are you always looking for more foster homes or do you want to keep it a small number? Um, we, we could always use a foster home. I mean, if, if you're wanting to foster, we will definitely find you a cat. The, the challenge with foster homes is that we don't have very many that are comfortable medicating a cat. So if we have a cat that needs, you know, that's got a, a, an infection or is sick or injured or something that needs to be medicated every day, not everyone is comfortable with that. You know, we typically, those stay here in our quarantine kennels. And then the other challenge is just finding, um, just coordinating with the foster. So when the cat's ready, getting them to the vet, getting them fixed, getting them put up for adoption, um, that can be a little bit of a challenge. But, I mean, our fosters are amazing. They typically will take on extra things for us. They, you know, they'll say, you know, I'm going to cover this vet bill. I don't want you to have to pay for it and things like that. They're just, they're awesome. And um, uh, the other foster that we typically use is a hospice foster. Um, so if we get a cat in that's really, really old or has a terminal illness but isn't suffering, you know, they're not at the point where they need to be put to sleep yet, we will place cats like that in foster homes so that they can live out, you know, whatever time they have left. And those people are really amazing because that's really hard. Yeah, it's easy. It's easy to, I shouldn't say easy, but it's more exciting when you have a mama and kittens, right? The hospice bit is, to your point, it's very difficult. It's very emotional. Um, and it often requires a little bit more attention, right? Right. We actually have a diabetic cat placed in a hospice foster right now. Um, and he came in to us with, I mean, he weighed, I think he weighed about five pounds. And he's a big cat. Um, he was skin and bones. And so we found out he was diabetic. So we placed him in one of our lifetime foster homes. And he is, he gained like, 
don't know, six or seven pounds. He's eating like a horse. He's thriving. He's doing great. So, and, and for her, we're covering the insulin, the, the needles, the strips and stuff to test, you know, his blood sugar, his food. Um, we're covering all of that. So that's another thing. If you're interested in, in doing something like that, um, taking on a cat that, that may not live very long, but you could give it a great six months or a year or whatever. That's definitely something that we do as well. I love that you guys do that. There's two different sides to it. Yeah, it's, it's hard. And, you know, I, I wouldn't recommend it for people with kids unless the, they really, you know, the kids are really understanding about, about death and things like that because, you know, it's, it's hard for kids when a, a foster cat or any cat pet dies. Um, you know, it's difficult. So we typically um, recommend if you have kids not to do a foster, but it's totally up to you. I mean, every family is different. You know, if that's something that you might be interested in, um, you know, let us know. So you've actually shared two stories with us. One of the things that I like to ask is on those really tough days that you're having and you need to be reminded why you're in animal rescue. Do you have a go-to story that you want to share? Most people in rescue are probably familiar with the starfish story. It is definitely my favorite story. Um, and so I'll just paraphrase it. Basically, this, this little boy is, is on the beach and, and this, he's picking up um, starfish and throwing them back into the ocean. They've all, you know, gotten beached up on the on the sand, and they're they're all, you know, basically dying from being out in the sun. And so he's picking them up and throwing them, you know, out into the ocean. And this man comes up to him and he's like, "Dude, what are you doing? Like, there's millions of starfish on the ocean, like, or on the beach. You can't possibly save all of them, and you can't possibly make a difference." And then the boy picks up a starfish and throws it in the ocean, and he says. I made a difference to that one. For me, that's just a reminder that every cat that we save is a success story. Um, we may not always be able to save every single one that we want to, but it makes a difference to the ones that we do save. So, you know, I just have to focus on that and, and just take it one at a time. You know, if we can give one cat a great life, that's one more than we would have been able to. So, You know, everybody in Animal Rescue wants to save them all, right? But I, the reality of it, right, in that we can't right and and you can't save them all i mean i have to remind myself that all the time you don't want to get in over your head because if you if you burn yourself out then you're not good you're no good to anybody i always tell people you do what you can do you know there's there's a thousand things you can do to, to support rescue you know just do what you can do nobody needs to take every single cab and nobody needs to you know save the world you just have to do it one at a time it's definitely a good reminder so thank you for sharing that so you do have an event coming up here the end of March, which I want to give you an opportunity to kind of talk about. Why don't you tell us what's coming up the end of March for you? Um, so we have a we have an event called the Big Give Annual. Every year we, in San Antonio, we have, it's basically all the nonprofits in San Antonio, and it's basically 24 hours of giving. So we have incentives for whoever raises the most money, who are the most donors, you know, things like that. They'll get prizes and things. And so we are participating in that. It's March 28th. It starts at midnight on March 28th and goes to midnight or 11.59 um, that night. And so we are having we're having an event at the, the Hoppy Monk in San Antonio. And we'll be um, selling Fiesta medals and T-shirts and stuff like that. So we're pretty excited about it. It's usually a good fundraiser for us. We're usually able to get quite a few quite a few. Um, new donors and new supporters. 
So yeah, it's a lot of fun and we're excited about it. Yeah. And so do people have to be in San Antonio to participate or how can people outside of your city help and support you? No, you do, definitely don't have to be in San Antonio. You can, you can be from, we, we have donors all over the world that donate on the Big Give Day. They can go to, I think it's the biggivesa.org and then just look up Wayward Whiskers Cat Rescue and you'll find us in there. And I think donations start, you can start a few days early. I'm not sure exactly um, what date, but if you just go to the website, you'll be able to see it. Okay. And will you have that information on your website or Facebook as well? Yes, it's on our Facebook page. I'm working on getting it put up on our website. Is Facebook the best place for people to get updates on you guys, or is it the website? Where's the best place for people to go? Facebook is typically where we post almost every day. Um, we try to we try to post as much as we possibly can, um, especially when we have a new cat coming in that needs that we need donations for. Um, a lot of times we'll get an emergency in that you know that has to be taken care of right away. And so things like that, we always post on our Facebook page. Um, we do update the website, but not not as often. So if you're looking for like you know really recent news or updates or posts or anything, then Facebook is definitely the place to go. So Sherry, as we get ready to wrap things up, um, is there anything else you want to share with the listening audience? If you've ever thought about adopting a senior cat or a special needs cat or an FIV positive cat, and you have questions or you know, you're concerned about potential issues that you might have, just shoot me an email. I'd be happy to talk to you about about that and just kind of give you more information and, and some encouragement regarding adopting a cat that might might take a little more of your time, but I mean, it is completely worth it. They love just the same. They do. I mean, the, the special needs cats that I have, you know, my own personal cats are just absolutely amazing. And my life would not be the same if I didn't have them. So it's definitely something that everybody should think about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Sherry, so much for your time. I really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you, Rachel. It was great talking to you. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. If you're not already a member, join the ARPA to take advantage of all the resources we have to offer. And don't forget to sign up with dobert.com. It's free and helps automate the most difficult tasks in animal rescue.